Economics Economics can be both a tool of the internal and external subversive. For the external subversive, simply cutting off credit can cause severe economic problems for a country. An example of this is the United States' relations with Chile in the early 1970s. In an attempt to get Salvador Allende removed from office, the United States tried to weaken the Chilean economy. Chile received little foreign investments, and the loss of credit prevented Chile from purchasing vital imports. An economic pressure of this kind prevents an economy from functioning and reduces a country's standard of living. If the reduction is too great, the people may become willing to support a change in the government's leadership. The main objective of economic pressures is to make it difficult for the country to fulfill its basic obligations to the citizenry either by cutting off trade or by depriving it of resources. The internal subversive can also use economics to put pressure on the government through use of the strike. An example of this is the Chilean truckers' strike during the 1970s. The strike prevented the transport of food staples and forced nearly 50% of the national economy to cease production. Activities of these kinds create human, economic, and political problems that, if not addressed, can challenge the competency of the government. Agitation and civil unrest. As defined by Lawrence Bilenson, agitation is subversive propaganda by actions such as mass demonstrations or the political strike, that is, a strike not intended to benefit the union or workers in the ordinary sense, but intended instead against the government. Furthermore, propaganda and agitation, even when they are legal forms of freedom of speech, press, and assembly can still be classified as subversive activity. These tools further demonstrate the need to determine intent of those taking action to identify subversive activities. Civil unrest creates many of the problems that an insurgency campaign does. First of all it is an affront to government authority, and if the government is unable to quell the unrest it leads to an erosion of state power. This loss of power stems from the people's lack of trust in the government to maintain law and order. In turn, the people begin to question whether or not new leadership is needed. Discrediting, disarming, and demoralizing the government is the goal of these activities and the cause of the government's loss of power. Civil unrest depletes resources as the government is forced to spend more money on additional police. Additionally, civil unrest may be used to provoke a response from the government. In the 1940s, during strikes against the Marshall Plan, communists in France would deliberately provoke the police and gendarmerie into acts of repressive violence in order to exploit the resulting martyrs to the cause for propaganda purposes. These martyrs and subsequent propaganda can be useful in turning political and social groups against each other. The less violent forms of unrest, such as worker absenteeism, passive resistance, boycotts, and deliberate attempts to cripple government agencies by overloading the system with false reports, can have powerfully disruptive effects, both economically and politically. Offensive terror. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Offensive terror can be defined as the killing of people, destruction of property, kidnapping, etc. It is usually a minor part of subversion and is used not to exert force in the transfer of state power, but is meant to cower the people or ruler. Force used in this manner is meant to reinforce other forms of persuasion in addition to cowering the people or leaders. Additionally, much like civil unrest and agitation, 
it raises the question of whether or not the state can provide security for the population. Terror also provides a practical motivation of physically removing political opponents. The assassination of an organization's leader may open the door to a successor that is more friendly to the subversive's position or possibly someone that has successfully infiltrated the organization and is in fact one of the subversives. Bribery. Bribery is one of the most common tools of subversion. Most societies see bribery as a form of corruption, and it is used as a subversive tool because it implies the undermining of existing rules of political or moral conduct. It can also be one of the less reliable tools as well. Bribed officials are only useful if they take action. However, actions taken over a period of time draw suspicion from the public. The official must be able to carefully conceal their actions or perform only key functions and actions. For these reasons, bribed officials are most effective when they are asked to take immediate action. In the case of external subversion, bribery is usually used for influence rather than for actions. Subverting Cultural Hegemony Recent writers, in the postmodern and poststructuralist traditions, including, particularly, feminist writers, have prescribed a very broad form of subversion. It is not directly the parliamentary government which should be subverted in their view, but the dominant cultural forces, such as patriarchy, individualism, and scientism. This broadening of the target of subversion owes much to the ideas of Antonio Gramsci, who stressed that communist revolution required the erosion of the particular form of cultural hegemony within society. Theodore Adorno argued that the culture industry and its shallow entertainment was a system by which society was controlled through a top-down creation of standardized culture that intensified the commodification of artistic expression. In 1938, he said that capitalism has colonized every aspect of life so much that every pleasure which emancipates itself from the exchange value takes on subversive features. Using culture to bring about change to a political system through integration of political warfare and political action and the targeting of cultural vehicles and institutions is another tool of subversion. The use of the arts or more broadly culture is primarily a tool for external subversives, as internal subversives are generally citizens of the country and share the same culture. It is a tool that takes a longer period of time to implement and its effects are revealed over time, as opposed to those of a terrorist attack or civil unrest. Therefore, one could classify this tool as an element of strategic subversion. The targets of cultural subversive activities are traditionally film, literature, popular music, educational institutions, mass media, religious organizations, charitable organizations, and other forms of art. The intended results of these activities are to persuade or co-opt the public, discredit the ideas of enemies and split factions within the enemy's camp. The state is charged with the protection of the civilizational values of society, liberty, equality, comradeship, compassion, democracy, education, the family, religion, rule of law, human and civil rights, etc., including the cultural or aesthetic values that enhance the quality of life and maintain its legitimacy. In situations where the government is not being a good steward in protecting these values, the use of tools like literature, film, music can be used as a reminder of these values, as well as a forum to protest and question the government's legitimacy. Additionally, art and culture allow people to connect on an emotional level that could soften negative perceptions one may be believed to have. Once the stigma has been removed, the target may be more receptive to other messages conveyed. This individual or group would no longer be seen as being completely different from them. Another example of how culture can be subversive is seen in Iran. Western culture, media, art, etc. is popular among the country's youth, 
but certain elements are banned or curtailed. As the exportation of Western culture continues, conflict between the state and its citizens is created. The government is then seen as unresponsive or out of touch with its people. Laws. Subversive activity. Subversive activity is the lending of aid, comfort, and moral support to individuals, groups, or organizations that advocate the overthrow of incumbent governments by force and violence. All willful acts that are intended to be detrimental to the best interests of the government and that do not fall into the categories of treason, sedition, sabotage, or espionage are placed in the category of subversive activity. United Kingdom. There is no crime defined as subversion, as opposed to treason, in British constitutional law. Attempts have been made to introduce definitions but there is no general consensus among political and legal theorists. Historically MI5 were entrusted with the legal investigative powers for concerns of threats to national security by subversion, but in the Security Service Act 1989, subversion was not mentioned, and according to the official MI5 website, subversion is no longer investigated, due to a reduced threat as a result of the end of the Cold War and of associated political situations since the 1980s. United States. In federal law, 18 U.S.C.C.H. 115 covers treason, sedition, and subversive activities. As related above, members of the Communist Party were supposed by legislators to be subversives, especially after the Russian Revolution. The House Un-American Activities Committee was formed in 1938 in order to investigate alleged disloyalty and subversive activities on the part of private citizens, public employees, and those organizations suspected of having communist ties. Senator Joseph McCarthy became the most visible public face of a period in which Cold War tensions fueled fears of widespread communist subversion. The term McCarthyism, coined in 1950 in reference to McCarthy's practices, including public attacks on the character or patriotism of political opponents, was soon applied to similar anti-communist activities. Senator Pat McCarran sponsored the McCarran Internal Security Act of 1950 and the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, both of which were hotly contested in the law courts, and by Harry Truman, who went so far as to veto the former. However, the veto was overridden in the Senate by a margin of 57 to 10. In 1943, the Supreme Court ruled that an avowed publisher of the Communist doctrine could be naturalized a citizen of the United States in Schneiderman v. United States, 320 U.S. 118, 1943. Abthaker v. Secretary of State tested in 1964 whether a passport could be disallowed to a communist. Abthaker 1. ELF Grant v. Russell involved questions concerning the constitutionality of an Arizona act requiring an oath from state employees. William O. Douglas wrote in 1966 for a strongly divided court the majority opinion that the state could not require the oath and accompanying statutory clause. The Warren Court ruled by 5 to 4 majority in Keishan v. Board of Regents, of SUNY, to strike down New York state law that prohibited membership by professors in any organization that advocated the overthrow of the U.S. government or any organization that was held by the regents to be treasonous or seditious. The regents also required teachers and employees to sign an oath that they were not members of the Communist Party.